Alrighty, I want to just start, um, I just felt God gave me this, it's not in my notes, but it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Have you ever found something that you love so much that you're prepared to give your life for? Have you ever found something that you love so much that you are literally prepared to lay it all down and you found this thing and you planted it in a field and you went back and you took care of business where you tied up all loose ends. You went, you know, I found something that I love so much I'm compelled to let go of everything and I found this thing and I'm going to start living now from this perspective. Just think about that as we go through this morning. Anybody here last week heard Brooke Turner's message? It's awesome. Can I encourage you to go and have a listen to that? Because, you know, it's just incredible what God is, is doing. There's so much synergy um, in what I'm going to say today with what he said last week. And so he, he talked about if you've got ears to hear, you'll hear something within what is being said here at The Rock. Not just through one person, but through the people that are speaking. And I listened to his message just during the week, and you know, it's from a different book of the Bible, it's different words, but he's saying the same thing. He's saying the same thing I'm going to say today. And there is a frequency that is being uh, spoken here at the moment through the speakers. Not just in-house speakers, but speakers that are coming from outside. And there is a frequency that we need to dial into to be able to hear what God is saying. Anybody got frustrated, you know, when you're trying to dial up a frequency? We've got it in our place at home. We've got this little radio thing and Danielle listens to Radio Rima on it in the kitchen when she's doing her bits. And, and uh, the other day I played with it because, um, to be honest, I'm, no, I won't say that. I, um, <laughs> um, I'd rather listen to Radio Sport or something, but no. Um, so I played with it and I set it off tune. And we can't find Radio Rima and it's frustrating here. We can't get on this frequency. All we're hearing is and a little bit of speech and I go, this is it. And I dialed up, what did I dial in? Southern Star. I thought I'd nailed it. I thought I'd nailed it. No, this is Southern Star. This is not it. And there is a frequency that is travelling through the waves that God wants us to tune into. Well, you need to get your spirit aerial up and in tune and tune into. Jesus said, if you've got ears to hear, you'll hear. Spiritual ears. These things, we put earrings in them, we hang glasses off them. But I'm talking about spiritual ears. And there is a clarity that comes when we tune in to the same frequency of heaven and what God is downloading right now. And so... I'm going to start by asking this a question because at the end of the day, to be honest, if all we're doing is speaking and we're not taking in what's said, then what are we doing here? We really might as well and go and watch the rugby or go and go out for lunch or something. If, if, if really all you're doing is fulfilling a religious exercise by turning up, sitting on a seat, hearing some songs, hearing a good message, going into the cafe... Well, you know, and I say that with all love. We need to take God's word and allow it to transform us, to change us. The Bible says the truth will set you free. So I've got a question. The question is, from my message three weeks ago, I know it was three weeks ago, but it had four elements. I talked about the macro plan of God. And I said, as we go forward, I'm going to start unpacking this macro plan. And there were four elements to the macro plan. I won't ask you to give it to me in order. I'll just say, can you give me randomly what those four things were? Thank you. To know God intimately, number one. That was even in order. Very good. Sorry, say that again. Thank you. Number two, that was an order too. We have to stay in this order now, come on. <laughs> Extra pressure just went up. Ruling and reigning with Christ, number three. 
And I'll help you out with the last one. Understanding the spiritual realm called the kingdom of God and the impact that it's to have in us and through us now. And I said three weeks ago, I said that knowing God and his son Jesus intimately is vital if we are really, as his people, going to understand, engage with, and by faith, believe in this incredible purpose. So you've got to believe it by faith. You can read about it, but do you engage with it by faith? Where it brings a conviction, not just believe, a conviction of what you read. The devil believes in a whole lot of things that are true. We can believe in things, but those beliefs don't move us, they don't shift us, they don't change us. So we are to carry a biblical conviction that starts to transform us on the inside. I talked about how this purpose was two-thirds an eternal purpose and how God's purpose is way, way bigger than just being saved by grace. That gets you in, but it is not the end. His grace is incredible. His grace is unconditional. His grace is so empowering. The revelation of grace catapults you forward into everything he has for you. It catapults you into dying to oneself. It catapults you into living for him and not yourself. We just can't stop at the door of grace and go, thank you. And I remember Brooke speaking a message about sitting on the porch when he wants us inside the house discovering what's in every room. But it's easy to sit on the porch, isn't it? Thank you for my ticket. didn't cost me a thing. cost you everything. You want me to now what? You want me to let go of some things? Mm-hmm. This is step two of the purpose, the plan. It doesn't just end at what I did on the cross. I did it for a greater purpose than just you not going to a place called hell. I did it that you would engage with me at a level and start becoming like me. Which is a different thing than just accepting him as Lord and Saviour and leaving it there. Now what I love about the Father is you can if you choose to do that. You can. He loves you. His love is unconditional. But what we're doing is shortchanging ourselves from what he has for us. So we're not to fear that. It's like, do you want more? It's like, do you want to keep eating lentils or do you want to move through to the five-course roast meal that I have with pudding? I know which one I want. Can't you tell? <laughs> I looked at a photo the other day of our time in Auckland and I went, Greg, you've put on the beef, son. <laughs> I'm healthy and well, but I thought, but God has so much more for us to eat and digest and allow it to change and shape us. Have you noticed how the Sermon on the Mount is all about internal systems? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the persecuted. What Jesus is saying to his men is saying, the whole point of being my church is to look like me internally and externally. It's to have my nature as well as my works. It ain't just about my works. It's my nature and my works. If you don't have my nature, you know what happens when you do my works? You do it with the wrong attitude. You start telling people, condemning people, instead of loving people, grace and truth. You bring truth with this incredible heart of love, genuine love. Not just, you know, you're wrong, this, this, I've got the answer, bang, bang, bang. Internal, external shift. You see, we need to understand that God's ultimate purpose, his original plan, is not founded on our human need. But his purpose was formed in Christ before the fall ever occurred where human need came into existence. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's purpose, he'd written the purpose before man ever fell. So we don't find the purpose of God in human need. 
We find it in Him. And we must bow to that plan. It's about Him, people. It's His world. His universe. It's not about me. It's about Him. And we settle this issue in our hearts and minds then we are far better positioned to live a life that brings glory to God no matter what we face here on earth because we know our final port of call isn't attached to this world, it's in eternity. That's why things can happen right now around the world and God actually is comfortable with it because he's got it sorted in a much, much bigger macro plan. God could change every human need now if he wanted, couldn't he? He could literally wave his finger and it could be sorted. No more, no more feet, no more hungry people, no more brokenness. But he doesn't. Why? Because his ultimate purpose isn't in that. Now hear what I'm saying, because you really need to hear what I'm saying, because God loves us and he's involved in that stuff. So I'm not saying our human need doesn't matter. All I'm saying is it's not centered on his macro bigger plan. Am I making sense? See, one of the reasons I believe that some of us get bitter and twisted with God and possibly even walk away when things don't go the way we expect is because we think that God's macro purpose is wrapped up in our human need. But as I said to you before, Man and woman lived in perfection before there was ever a fall. And I read your scripture. I just want to repeat this again. I'm not saying God doesn't care about our human needs. I'm saying that human need isn't the basis on which his macro plan exists. Jesus came to redeem mankind back to the original purpose of God and that was put in place before the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1 verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. So with that understanding and those four elements, I want to unpack what I believe God's been showing me over the last two years. And this has turned me upside down. He said to me, Greg, I'm going to dismantle you. Then I'm going to dismantle the rock. I was like, can we just avoid that one? (laughs) Please. No, I've got some things I want to start showing you. But I had to die in that process and it's been a painful process. And so we're going to look at this element of the bride of Christ over a number of weeks. And today I'm just going to take one passage and just rip it apart and hopefully bring some insights and thoughts that can will inspire us, that we'll learn some things today that we did not know. And I hope, can I ask you to keep an open mind because you might go, I've heard about the Bride of Christ, I've got the Bride of Christ down. But I want to say this, if you have, how has that revelation changed, transformed you into a different person? How are you living differently through that understanding? So, just maybe let's park all our presuppositions to the side for today and just somehow, I know that can be hard to do because you can hear one word and it can set you off and just hear what I'm trying to say. So Father, today help me, help me communicate this clearly. Help me to articulate it, Lord, that when I say red, we will hear red. When I say white, we will hear white. Help us with all our filters all our preconceived ideas, all our presuppositions to see and hear your word and the fullness of the truth that lies within it, Father. In Jesus' name. So I've called these messages, Will You Marry Me? Signed, Jesus. How many of us guys can remember proposing to our wives? Two over here. It's either a great night or... <laughs> Anyone over this side? Cool. Any bold ladies with us that proposed to your husband? <laughs> you did? All right. <laughs> there you go. I love that. I did. 
<clears throat> I remember proposing to Danielle. Danielle was a really hard fish to catch. <sighs> I needed a lot of line and I needed a lot of different hooks. I'll tell you, man. I, oh, gee, we actually proposed to Danielle twice. How's that? She was that. Oh, we took her to Australia, wined and dined her, did all the things, got her in the beach at night, under the, under the moon, did all the things, picked her up into the sea, asked her to marry me. She said yes, and in the morning, sort of, oh, I'm not really sure, there's some things going on. I'm like, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> you, know how, you know how bad it is when everyone knows you're going away to get engaged and you come back broken up? <laughs> it's not the cool look, I'm telling you. You know, you go, how did it go? And you go, that we broke up. <laughs> Not only do you feel stink, the person asking you feels stink. It's like, oh, sorry about that. So she kept me waiting and I had to get another line, another reel. What is this bait? Well, I'm going to it out there again. And Anyway, when we were down in Christchurch, and actually, I don't know if you know this, babe, but I, I was going to propose to Danielle at the Hamner Springs. We went there, I had the pocket in my board shorts, it was hidden away, and I, you know, you're waiting for the right moment. And, Every time some muppet would come and jump in the pool we were in, I was like, trying to look, give them the evil, like, off, you know. One of them was my dad. <laughs> like, just the time wasn't right. So anyway, I remember we got back to, back to my mum and dad were staying and I, I'd left a trail all over the house in the morning and then I'd written in a lipstick, will you marry me? And uh, she was away for about 10 minutes all the way down the house and I heard a scream and I thought, that's either good or bad, God, what's going on now? And 10 years later, almost with two children, here we are and I love it a bit. But Jesus says, will you marry me? Will you marry me? I want to marry you. Do you want to marry me? Come with me to 2 Corinthians 11. See, whether you know it or not, when you gave your heart to Christ, when you made a decision to make him your Lord and Saviour, you were invited to a wedding ceremony. I wasn't told that when I made that decision, but it's the truth. When you made him Lord and Saviour, when you committed your life, you were invited. An invite turned up in your box that said, you know what, there is a wedding in the future that you are invited to partake of. And then it also says, but make sure you are preparing yourself because the bride prepares herself for her wedding day. And I think I asked this question a few weeks ago that, you know, when, ladies, when did we actually start really preparing ourselves for our wedding day? Was it when we were five or six? Was it 16? Maybe you're still waiting. I'm not sure, but says that the bride is to be preparing herself, but that's for next week. So 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1. And I love, I just love the New American Standard because in my title it said, Paul defends his apostleship. So there's, he's expecting some opposition to this message he's about to say. He says, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Verse 3, but. It's a big word, but. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Verse 4. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully, meaning you put up with it. In fact, you start believing it. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you 
in all things. He starts off to the Corinthians saying, Guys, what I'm about to say, you're going to think I'm a little bit foolish. I want you to bear with me with what I say. Because it may be just slightly outside of your paradigm. He's saying, I'm not a nutter. I haven't lost the plot. I've got some things that I want to share with you. I may not be that great at doing it. I may not be the most articulate with my three points and my little conclusion and my stories and all these fancy things these days. But I have some things that I want to share with you. Don't think I'm a fool. I'm not. But bear with me with what I'm about to say. Then he says in verse 2, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. You see, so often, I know I do, when I hear the word jealous, I sometimes put that in a negative context, a negative spin. But what's a godly jealousy? Because I think that's a positive thing. It's an incredibly positive thing. He says, I am this godly jealousy for you. Paul's saying there are some things that the Father has shown me, mysteries about the kingdom of God that he's revealed to me for us all. And I'm passionate. In fact, I'm besotted. I'm jealous for you that we would all understand what we have been invited to participate in. And it hurts him that some are falling away or being led astray by the schemes of the enemy. He's saying if someone comes and presents another gospel, you're quick to follow that. And here we are, we find ourselves in a position where I've betrothed you to one, to the pure, to, 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 a, to one husband, and I'm afraid that you're being led astray from the simplicity and the pure devotion to the Christ. God is it's simple, but He's deep. But I shared the other week, I said, you know, we can miss things. I've been missing things that have been right in front of my face. About five years ago, I remember a couple coming to uh, me and Bruce at the time and just saying, you know, we, we, this is what we're thinking and, and uh, yeah, we, we, we want to take a break. And there's nothing wrong with taking a break. Just, I mean, here I'm going to say, okay, there's nothing wrong with, with taking time out from leading or, you know, doing, trying to build God's kingdom, all that stuff, although it is a 24-7 thing, but... And we said, and I just knew, I knew in my spirit, I said, they're not coming back. And it wasn't about them coming back to the rock, it was about their walking away. And I just knew it. I thought, they're not coming back. And you know when you're trying to encourage someone with love, because you know if you just come at them, it's not going to work, and you're going, oh no, they've already made this decision in their head, they've gone. And we're going to take a break and we'll be back in six months. And I'm going, they're never coming back. And you know what? They still aren't back. And it hurts. Because you carry a godly jealousy for people because you want them to come into the fullness of what God has for them. And you see them make decisions and choices that take them away and you can't do anything about it. And to try to becomes a battle of the mind where they think you're just trying to control them or something. And you're not. (laughs) And this is what Paul's saying here to this community. He's saying, I've seen some things. Bear with me for a while. Because you may have been the enemies at work deceiving you from some things. As he did with Eve. And one of the things, guys, I carry conviction of today is that one of the mysteries of the kingdom that the enemy has and is doing his darndest to rob the church of is the revelation of the marriage covenant between Christ and his church. Paul says this, I betrothed you to one husband. Not Paul Costello. (laughs) Although he's a good guy. I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. See, part of Paul's mission is not only to suffer for the message of truth, preach the gospel, perform signs and wonders declaring Jesus Christ to the world, but to present the church, which is you and I, 
as a pure virgin to Jesus, spotless, wrinkle-free. I said before, no Botox, it's gone. No lines, gone. Prepared for a marriage ceremony in eternity, which we have all been invited to. And I'm going to break this passage down. Paul says, I betrothed you to one husband. What does that mean? The word betrothed means to join, to fit together. It's described as carpenters fastening together beams and planks to build houses, ships, etc. It's the joining. So that to Christ I may present you as a pure virgin. What does the word pure mean? Pure from carnality, chaste, modest, pure from every fault, immaculate. The word virgin means a man or woman who has never had sexual intercourse. But when I did some study, what's interesting is there's another word there, and it's the word whoredom with the WH. And it's referred to in relation to this word virgin, which is a biblical word to, word to describe idolatry. Hmm. Paul is saying the bride of Christ will be free from idolatry. Idolatry isn't just about getting an obstacle, a bit of wood, and carving out an image, and we call it Buddha, or we get some gold and we make a calf, and we worship that thing, and we call it idolatry. Anything, and I mean anything, that has its place above Christ, becomes idolatry. Jesus wants to be one, the whole thing, number one, the person in our lives. And what Paul's saying is here, the bride of Christ will be free. I am passionate. I've got a godly jealousy for you that I'm on a mission to teach you, to bring truth, that we would allow truth to define us, that Jesus would be the number one in our lives, above every single person, sport, career, choice, hobby. Let's look at verse 3. He says, But I am afraid, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to the Christ. I don't know about you guys, but Paul compares the fall of man. He's saying, the fall of man. I'm comparing this to the fact that you could have missed what it's really all about. I mean, I don't know, is there any much bigger thing you can compare it to? I'm comparing to the separation of God and man. I'm comparing this thing that you've walked away from the simplicity and the pure devotion, living a lifestyle of abandonment. Isn't that what Brooke preached last week? That we would be abandoned to the Christ through the teachings of Jean Guyon. And she said to live a life of pure abandonment is to let go of every single thing and be compelled to live for Him. We can be led astray, he says, you can be deceived in our minds from what it's really about. The word simplicity means singleness, sincerity, mental honesty. The virtue of one who is free from pretense and hypocrisy. None of that in the church, is there? It's fascinating when you start going deeper, having a look. What does the word devotion mean? Listen to this. Strong attachment marked by dedicated loyalty. So I have a question for me and for us. Are we marked by our dedicated loyalty to Jesus, the one we worship? I'll let that sit while I take a drink.
Because the enemy's plans and schemes are to pull you away from him. As the church, and I have been guilty of this, probably still will be, so I'm lumping me in all this. We are great at taking things like healing, feeding the poor, social justice, spiritual gifts, evangelism, the Holy Spirit, baptism, the law, even grace, discipleship, miracles, marriage, and making these things ends in and amongst themselves instead of all these things being means which are intended to lead us towards Him. I'm only here for 75 years, 80 years. It's great that my broken arm or my messed up knee gets healed. Is that what it's really about, knowing that I'm only here for 75, 80 years as a healing? Or is that healing supposed to awaken me to something far greater that God has invited me to participate in? Do you think when God heals somebody that's a non-Christian, it's just to sake to heal them and that's it? Or is there more? He's trying to say, look, here I am. Jesus even said, if you don't believe me, believe the miracles that in me, that point towards me. And I'm going to rip apart marriage. I'm going to rip apart all this stuff. That they are all environments to point us towards him. Men, we need to wake up. And when it comes to marriage, I'm telling you, and serve and love our wives as Jesus does. You know what happens? And if she submits, this beautiful thing is love, which is the whole point, by the way. And a joining of one comes forward. You will know my people by the way they love one another. It's not just about us getting married and having lovely things and having kids. It's way bigger than that. Way, way bigger. I believe that's why there's no marriage in heaven. Jesus said, you're wrong. You guys don't know scripture. There is no marriage after the resurrection. Ask yourself why. Paul says, actually I counsel you not to get married. I wish you could all be like me. But if you need to, it's all good. Don't just lose sight though of the bigger thing. Because when this happens, you know what happens? My need, my focus goes this way. Her focus goes this way. And we lose sight of this focus. And I shared this, didn't I? I said so much of the church today is living today like it's, the, it's about here now. One eye here, one eye there. This is what the book teaches. And so we're going to look at some of this stuff. Now, please hear me. Please hear me. It's on the CD, so... Go back and have a look at this. These are very good things. Those things I've just mentioned, okay? They're great things. And they are part of the life, part of the life of a follower of Jesus. But they are the means that lead us toward him and his macro-eternal purpose. They are not his ultimate purpose. And we need to understand this, guys. I didn't. I had no concept of some of the things I've just said. I just thought it was about, I shared this, getting as many people saved, getting the disciple, waiting for heaven. And that was it. But we need to understand there's more, otherwise we will be short-changing ourselves. And the enemy's ploy, the enemy's plan is to steal, kill and rob you of your inheritance. He can't touch what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus took that back gave it to you. But he can rob us from the fullness of what God came to do and bring. Where does he come? Here. Why do you need a transformation of mind? Because I'm filled with my iniquity. I'm filled with me. Just because I get saved, I don't think like God. I still have this nature that I'm battling with. That's why Peter lobbed off the ear of the, the dude that tried to stop Christ. He had the mind of man. Jesus even says that. You have the mind of man when he's trying to go to Jerusalem to die. So he comes and he attacks our thinking. Stinking thinking leads you to not a good place. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind. The mind can block God's kingdom coming through you. The mind can release it. 
Let me give you an example of what I mean by this macro purpose. Imagine that a general contractor purchases 20 acres of land by which to build a housing complex. After the houses are built, he wishes to have a landscape garden at the entrance of the complex. This is his goal. So he hires someone to plant beautiful trees. He hires another to lay large rocks. He hires another to plant beautiful flowers. And he hires another to plant shrubs and bushes. The person who plants the trees plants them randomly throughout the complex. The person who lays the rocks does the same. So does the person who plants the flowers. The person who plants the shrubs and bushes does the same. When the contractor observes what they have all done, he's very disappointed. His goal was a landscape garden. Instead, he sees that the flowers, rocks, trees, shrubs and bushes are all disconnected and scattered about the complex haphazardly. Is it good to plant trees? Yes. Is the planting of flowers a positive thing? Certainly. But these things in themselves were not the contractor's goal. He wanted a landscape garden. That describes the kingdom of God today. Many good deeds, but an overwhelming disconnection from God's ultimate goal, which happens to be from him, through him, and to him. So what is our ultimate purpose? An intimate, devoted, dedicated, abandoned, Covenant love relationship with the Father now. Not tomorrow, not next week, now. Where we are allowing, you know that? Allowing His truth. It's a choice to transform and conform us into the image of His Son inside and out. So we can not only participate in a marriage ceremony, and spend our eternity ministering to the Father with the Son, our groom, forever in the most intimate environment, raising the eternal family, but also ruling and reigning with Christ in the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign. This, I believe, is what the enemy is trying to rob the church of, but not here. Not at the rock. When I started seeing this stuff, persecution attack went from here to here. Demonic activity in our bedroom, I felt it. I actually touched it. Nightmares for our children, stuff coming at me personally, There is something in this that the enemy does not want the church to receive a revelation of. This is why our minds must be renewed in the spirit because our minds are the environment where the battle for truth is either won or lost. He came to Eve. It was Adam that God spoke to. Think about that. He came to Eve. God spoke directly to Adam. How many of us are in this book? The Word of God. How many of us believe third opinions, fourth opinions, all the books that are out there, my opinion? I'll write a book, here's my opinion. But there's the Word of God. Take this to the Word of God. Take this to Him, what you're hearing today. I love this saying. It's not what we don't know that hinders us most of the time. It's what we think we know that gets in the way. Not what we don't know, but what we think we actually know. See, these things that I've mentioned, healing, spiritual gifts, marriage, family, if we're not careful, they can become an idol in our lives where we actually put these things ahead of our relationship with God and its ultimate macro purpose, 
But as we've talked about, the pure virgin, the virgin is free from idolatry. He says, love me with everything you have. I didn't come to bring peace, Jesus says. I came to bring division. I came to separate families. There's something in those red letters that we need to contend with, guys, because my personal testimony is, as I said, I'd heard about the bride of Christ. I had read Ephesians and gone to different parts of the Bible. I'd even taken a Jewish wedding, meaning these two New Zealanders that wanted to get married by the Jewish wedding model. We're going to unpack that. Do you know how many similarities there are between a Jewish wedding model and the, the marriage between Christ and his church? It is incredible. And I took one of these, and I'll tell you today, and I've repented of this, I laughed at it. I went, you're living in New Zealand. You're Kiwis. What on earth are we doing this for? They knew something about the bride of Christ that this Muppet didn't. And I had to ask God to forgive me for that. You know how awesome it was standing there and the bride's actually in front of you. Not the groom, the bride. And there is a phone call. It wasn't a trumpet. We had a cellular phone. The groom is coming. We'll unpack that more. It was incredible and I had no concept of the fullness of it until later on. There's one thing to know about something, to have a head knowledge of it, yet it's something else to have your mind renewed by the Spirit and receive a revelation of this truth. It's the revelation of truth that changes you and sets you free. Man, does the church need a revelation of truth, not just information. So what is Paul saying? And uh, if we can have the music guys back, that would be cool. He's saying this. Jesus is looking to marry a bride that is 100% completely head over heels in love with him. Not perfect, but in love with him. A bride that loves others the way he does. And a bride that has him, Jesus, truly as the number one priority in her life and everything else is a distant second. A bride preparing herself and allowing herself to be transformed and defined by truth from the inside out who is completely committed and dedicated to fulfill the will of the Father here on earth. Jesus came to reveal his Father. Come follow me as we go on a journey to discover my Father and my Father's purpose. And we really have limited down to preaching the gospel, getting some people in a ship going to heaven. I have. I've been guilty of that. And I've repented of that. But there is way more. Absolutely way more. That's why the greatest commandment says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, this is a divine order because he's preparing a bride for his son and it will be a bride who loves his son as much as his son loves his bride. Which leads me to a question. I've been asking myself this question. Do I honestly love God with all I am as a person? And if not, why not? And I want to leave us with this thought two thoughts. One is that you would take what you're hearing and meditate on it and ask the Holy Spirit to start to peel back if it's true or not. Show me, Father. The Bible says no eye can see, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store for those who love Him and it comes through the Spirit. Those who love Him spend the time with Him and are revealed things of the Spirit. Paul said, we're not of the flesh, we're of the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit. We can acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Saviour by faith and be saved, but still have no intimacy with Him. Some will have a stranger save them who they will not want to get to know. 
while others will want to get to know the one who saves them and marry them. Father, today, I pray, God, I pray for every one of us today. I thank you that you love us with a passion. I thank you that you have so much in store for us. Lord, you died that we would experience and live in the most intimate, incredible love relationship with you. You scream love through the pages of your book. This is a love book. And God, we've limited it down to a few things. We've limited, I've limited you down to my level of understanding. But there is more that I must contend for, Father. There is more that you want to bring me into. Brooke talked about it last week. We're building walls of man, not of you. That we are the church. That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's us. We are the church. It's not a building or a program or songs. It's us. And you love us unconditionally, agape. And you're looking for a people that will love you back with that intensity and that dedication and that abandonment that are prepared to lay it all down. And you've covered it all, God, so we've invited us all. But you say, follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and come after the greatest thing known to mankind. We're in eternity in this ultimate kingdom. You will minister to me with my son. Father, I pray today that you would reveal us by your Holy Spirit. Your word says if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, if we're persistent, if we make a pain of ourselves like the the woman did who went to the judge, that you reward those who earnestly seek you with a greater understanding of who you are and what who we are and the mission and the call and the will of you for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we stand firm as a community today. I pray, Lord, against the schemes of the enemy, the the works of the enemy, Father. I just bind wrong mindsets, Lord. I loosen faith. Faith, faith, and faith. Revelation, the spirit of revelation and wisdom that Paul prayed to the Ephesians that our eyes of our hearts would be enlightened today. Our minds would be changed today. Our minds are essential and important. They release or they block. Holy Spirit, come and minister. Thank you, God. I pray for discipleship. I pray people would work together, discuss together, contend together. That we would love one another. If we don't have love, Lord, we're a gong. We can have the flashiest music and Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, all these things. But if we don't have love, then we're a gong. Just also want to give anybody that's here an opportunity to get connected into. The Bible says that Jesus came to reconcile man back to himself. And I shared that today, which means that we are distant from him. We have a nature that's not his. We have an imperfect nature that causes us to sin causes us, the Bible says, to miss a mark, to miss a standard, and the standard is perfection. And every single one of us 
have been poisoned with this nature from birth. You were born with this nature called iniquity, which is lawlessness, which means we are distant and we try and do it our way. I tried to do it for 29 years. But there is awesome news, and that news is that God sent His perfect nature in the form of His Son to take that sin, to take that iniquity, and to replace it with His, which means two things. One, when, you, when we die, if we were to die today with that new nature, it means we would go to eternity with Him. But without it, we go to a place called hell. I'm not going to lie to you. It exists. It's true. And God doesn't send us there. We send ourselves because we reject Him. He sent His Son as His part of the deal. And if you would like to receive His Son today, and be cleansed and ask for forgiveness because a lot of people are looking for happiness but it ain't happiness we need, it's forgiveness. And you'll never find happiness until you find forgiveness because happiness isn't about me feeling good, it's about having a joy and a peace and a contentment no matter what's going on. And God, Christ, is the only one who can give you that. And the Bible says make Him your Saviour, which is that. Then make Him your Lord, which means to turn from your old ways and run to Him. It means to ask for forgiveness. Say, sorry, I, I, I ask you to forgive me for this stuff and I grab hold of this new and now I go 100% into your arms. We sang about it today. I make you first in my life. Over a process of time, He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you and I will help you let go of you and grab hold of me. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's the church that Jesus Christ is building on planet Earth today. So if there is anyone here, we just do this by saying, give me a quick wave. If you're ready to make that decision, don't feel pressured. But if you know you're ready, if you know you're saying, I've come to the end of this, I've come to the end of me. I had to come to the end of me. Is there anyone here today that says, that's me, Greg, just whip your hand up. So what I know and we'll just pray and then we can move on. Is there anyone here today that wants to say, that's it, I'm at the end of my tether. I want to grab hold of you. I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to get my eternity dealt with and then I'm going forward to this whole thing, this marriage thing, being with you, being in this intimacy, understanding what the kingdom of God is and allowing it to shape me. Anyone here today? stand let's just finish with stay in this sense and